Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence. Hello and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of Thomson Reuters Regulatory Intelligence's Compliance Clarified podcast. My name is Susanna Hammond and I'm Senior Regulatory Intelligence Expert here at TRRI. Now, in this fifth episode of Series 3, we're considering the continuing regulatory dilemma surrounding all things crypto and indeed crypto firms themselves. And for that, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Rachel Walcott and Todd Errett to take a look at the evolving issues and potential direction of regulatory travel. Hi, Susanna. Thanks for having me, Susanna. No problem. Um, just going to give everyone a wee bit of background on the whole crypto regulatory dilemma. Digital transformation and the deployment of crypto assets have great potential to make payments and transfers more efficient. However, and it really is a however, the speed and reach of transactions together with the potential for anonymous activity and for transactions without financial intermediaries also makes crypto assets vulnerable to misuse and raises the risk or potential risk of money laundering. So financial services firms, regulators and policymakers are all having to come to terms with the rise of a whole new class of product or products, which has a whole bunch of new challenges around it. And indeed, the successful use of crypto assets presents myriad challenges. One problem is the lack of an internationally agreed definition of what actually is a crypto or indeed agreement on where cryptos sit with regard to regulatory jurisdictions. Now, in very broad terms, a crypto asset is a type of digital asset that depends primarily on cryptography and distributed ledger or similar technology. Now, that definition is used by the Financial Stability Board and includes digital means of exchange and other digital tokens, such as security tokens, asset-linked tokens, utility tokens, that sort of thing. Now, the Financial Action Task Force, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with, uses a slightly different definition for the term virtual assets, which is a digital representation of value that can be digitally traded or transferred and can be used for payment or investment purposes. Now, that definition is not limited to digital assets that rely on cryptography and distributed ledger technology, but both definitions encompass, among other things, bitcoins and so-called stablecoins. The regulatory status of crypto assets is also dependent on whether the asset is deemed to be within the regulatory perimeter of a particular jurisdiction and an assessment of the risks associated with that particular crypto asset itself. And just to highlight where one regulator is, this I'm going to give you a quote from Gary Gensler, who's the chair of the US Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, he said this in September when he was talking uh, actually in Europe, but he's... I'll give you the quote. You can make your own minds up. While I'm technology neutral, I am anything but public policy neutral. As new technologies come along, we need to be sure we're achieving our core public policy goals. Further, for those who want to encourage innovations in crypto, I'd like to note that financial innovations throughout history don't thrive long outside of public policy frameworks. In finance, that's about protecting investors and consumers, guarding against illicit activity and ensuring financial stability. So with that background, Todd, where are we in the US on cryptos? 
It's a loaded question. And very interesting. <laughs> of course one. it is. <clears throat> um, I would say there has been a great awakening in the United States in the last um, three or four months um, as to the need for regulatory action of some sort. Um, and I think regulators are sensing an urgency to catch up to the industry. Um, and I think evidence of this can be seen in June when uh, SEC Chairman Gensler released the regulatory agenda for the next year. There was no mention of cryptos in it. There was ESG, investor protection, SPACs, meme stocks, in, you know, market structure, things like that, and, and no mention of cryptos. Um, I think capital on Capitol Hill, lawmakers have um, have, shall I say, grilled him pretty good. Um, and got it onto the agenda. Um, from an investor protection perspective, um, progressives such as Maxine Waters and, and Elizabeth Warren um, really uh, engaged uh, with Gensler in a back and forth, um, and I think uh, got it onto the agenda. Um, there have been several uh, legislative proposals or bills introduced um, on Capitol Hill, attempting to clarify some jurisdictional issues, um, you know, and, you know, hopefully get regulators and or lawmakers engaged in the subject. Um, <clears throat> the problem that is now becoming very transparent or very apparent is um, there's going to be a regulatory turf war in the United States um, surrounding cryptos. Um, the CFTC is regulating Bitcoin futures and Bitcoin futures have been trading now for several years, generally like every other commodity. Um, the bank regulators from the FDIC, OCC, um, Treasury, FinCEN have you know, tweaked their um, rules and regulations so that Cryptos or digital assets are involved are, are are under their regime from from a money laundering perspective. Um, the SEC and Gary Gensler have made clear, though, that it is they potentially sit outside their jurisdiction. Um, a whether or not something is a security is the key point. Uh, Gensler, I think, wants to call them securities, but in some some cases, they've clearly been defined that they are not securities. Um, they're something else, and I think that touches on what you were saying. Is generally from an international perspective, there's no uniform set of definitions um, covering this very new and complex space. Um, I wrote something earlier this week. Um, it followed up on a proposal that was put forth by Coinbase um, that said that basically called for a whole new regulatory regime um, surrounding cryptos. And the proposal from Coinbase, although a little bit far-fetched and unlikely to you know, certainly become the basis for future regulation, did make some very interesting points that I think people you know, agree with, that this is a a new area that doesn't particularly fit into the current regulatory definitions and 
um, you know, regulatory framework that was that was written 50, what, 50, 60, 70 years ago, um, you know, before there were even computers. So it's a challenge, but I think it has now been moved uh, to the top of the agenda. And uh, it's what the industry wants, and it remains to be seen how it unfolds. Uh, just this week, uh, the FDA, uh, chairman of the FDIC, um, told a Reuters reporter um, that they're working from an FDIC perspective that they want banks to be able to custody or, or hold crypto assets, and they need to figure out how to do it and do it quickly because the banks you know, need to get, in, get involved. So um, <clears throat> in the last, you know, since, since June, a lot has happened. But, and from a historical perspective, to move this quickly is, I, I think it shows a sense of urgency. However, from an industry perspective, cryptos, you know, can't have it happen soon enough. So how's yeah. that for a real quick, real quick summary? <laughs> real quick it's, summary. It, it, it's, 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 ha- I, I think it's, it's, there's now an, a, a clear acknowledgement that we need to act but there's still great uncertainty as to how to act. Yes, and and I think it's going to be very, very interesting to watch, particularly the turf war between the regulators, because Coinbase, which you mentioned, suggested creating a whole new regulator just for cryptos, which would, well, in my opinion, be precisely the wrong answer, because there's already far too many regulators in America. They need to consolidate, <laughs> not fragment even further. But that's very much I, my personal opinion. I, I, I think the way I phrased it is Washington has never shied away from creating new agencies and new regulations. However, when they take away power from existing agencies, um, there's a bit of hesitancy. So it you clearly are going to have in the United States a patchwork approach with overlap between banking, commodities, securities, and states. Um, different states are moving at different speeds to uh, you know issue digital licenses. New York, with the uh, New York Department of Financial Services, has issued bit licenses. Different states have done different things. Um, you know to call it you know include cryptos in their existing regimes one way or the other. So I think everybody is now, you know, has now woke up to the um, need to do something and things are starting to happen. Which is going to be very interesting to watch indeed. Um, Rachel, I don't think we could quite say the UK has been quite so chaotic, if I can put it that way. But what is the picture in the UK? Well, we have many fewer financial regulators, so we don't have this turf war happening. And what is, but we do have the slow pace. People have been regulators, financial services, uh, uh, people have been talking about crypto assets, it seems like forever already. Um, <laughs> uh, the FCA put out its first, well, the, well there was a, uh, t- a, t- a cryptocurrency task force paper that came out on this years ago that was basically set out some very basic uh, uh, terms about the, this is the 
crypto asset. This is uh, DLT. This is what could be inside our regulatory perimeter, i.e. regulated already. This is what would be outside of it. And to be honest, not a huge amount of progress has yet been made uh, in terms of that regulatory perimeter, but that is starting to change a little bit. I'll talk about that a little later on. Um, what the FCA, uh, the, the UK uh, financial services regulators main concern about crypto is at the moment is about fraud and scams. Senior executives from the FCA have been shouting from the rooftops, so to speak, about how crypto assets are risky. They're worried about people investing in them, losing all their money. Um, they have even mentioned uh, influencers promoting uh, crypto assets. Like uh, we had uh, Charles Randall, the chief uh, the chairman of the board of the FCA mentioned Kim Kardashian in one of his uh, recent speeches and you know, raising these concerns that people might not be buying crypto assets for the right reason. Or in fact, it seems like if you're following Kim Kardashian, potentially no reason whatsoever. Um, so they've been putting, telling everybody who, will listen that you will lose all your, you could lose all your money. And by the way, you're not covered by the financial services compensation scheme. This is very much on you because they've had, had their fingers burnt by the, uh, London capital and finance, uh, fiasco, which also was the sale of, uh, mini bonds that people thought were inside the regulatory perimeter uh, or author regulated products and they weren't. So the FCA have you know, having had that bad experience has been beating the drum very loudly. It has banned like ESMA, the sale of crypto derivatives to retail customers. Um, it has cracked down on firms it believes are selling these kinds of products in the UK without authorization. Um, these will be some overseas um, firms. A lot of them are based in Cyprus or other places that sell these products uh, online to UK retail customers. And they have a list of unauthorized firms on their on the, in their register. And they uh, want everybody to be checking against that. Um, the register also shows uh, the crypto asset firms that are supervised by the FCA under the money laundering regulations. And it, it's also, that's also plastered with warnings, even for firms that, that have become registered and to be supervised under the money laundering regulations. And this is the small part of crypto business that are inside the regulatory perimeter in the UK. Um, that includes uh, the crypto asset firms. Uh, they're all different kinds, including wallet providers. And essentially, if they want to do business in the UK, they need to be compliant with the money laundering regulations. That means they need an MLRO, a credible or somebody in charge of you know money laundering 
uh, compliance. They need a credible AML uh, and KYC systems and controls and compliance, which has been a huge problem for aspiring crypto firms here. So far, only 14 have been registered out of hundreds of applicants, and the fail rate is about 90% according to the FCA. Um, some of the firms that do make it already have restrictions on what kind of business they can do. So I think the FCA is very concerned about mission creep uh, with some of these firms. Um, specifically, they don't want them to get um, into payment services. Uh, payment, they are banning them from uh, providing account information services or payment initiation services. That's not all of the um, 14 firms registered under the MLROs or MLRs because they're not all crypto exchanges, but there are a couple of them on there. They're already you know, putting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they're trying to make sure they're staying in their lane essentially. Uh, and just to um, kind of round it out, the UK really wants to become a fintech capital of the world. Uh, they've, we've probably talked about the Khalifa report in this podcast before. Part of Khalifa is um, looking at how to uh, uh, foster uh, crypto asset businesses here in the UK. And accordingly, the uh, Treasury has launched a consultation, which is sort of the beginning of uh, any kind of regulati regulatory um, program and process, and that'll be looking at uh, how and what kind of cryptos would be um, and stable coins would be regulated here in the UK. So, you know, apart from the firms that are being registered under the money laundering regulations, we're still very much at the beginning of the process here in the UK. Thank you. I, I, I'm sort of going to bounce it actually back across the other side of the pond, talking about the beginning of regulating cryptos. Um, <clears throat> we've got now a regulated Bitcoin ETF in the US, so in effect, a regulated product sitting on top of an unregulated one. Todd, how, how did regulators kind of square the circle to get that one to fly? Thanks, Susanna. That's uh, that's a perfect segue because there, there seems to be a, a, a vast difference in approach here between the UK and the US. Where the UK is is really um, restricting the derivatives aspect of cryptos, um, you know, trading of of cryptos in the derivatives markets here in the U.S. has been going on for several years under the CFTC regulatory oversight. You know, the Bitcoin futures market um, on the C, you know, on the CME is by by all accounts doing well. Um, I think it created a little bit of a regulatory quandary. Or shall we say it, it painted Gary Gensler into a corner to a certain extent for the applications of the Bitcoin ETFs. Um, the basis for rejecting the exchange-traded funds um, or ETFs um, historically over the last several years has been 
um, the the underlying reference price has always been the spot market. Um, as the most recent applications, which ultimately got approved, um, were based on the futures market. Therefore, those products were no different than a oil ETF, a gold ETF, or a U.S. Treasury bond ETF that are referencing an underlying regulated you know, product that's traded on the CME. So I, I think he, a little, to a certain degree, got painted into a corner and had no, no option but to approve the ETF. Um, it's been made clear now that they're not going to allow inverse or leveraged ETFs on the product. And those applications that are still pending based on spot prices or call it the unregulated you know, cash or spot market for, ET, uh, for um, Bitcoin or other futures or, or other um, cryptos, you know, are still very much on hold um, is, is the conventional belief. Um, I, I think it's a positive development, but uh, I wouldn't read too much into it because, like I said, I think that from a regulatory standpoint, he didn't have any options left, you know, to, to kick the can further down the road, as the saying goes. And it but also it, kind of comes back to, you know, completely divided by a common, common product. We are no closer to an internationally agreed definition as to how to treat these things. Correct. Um, and, and I would say that the, the CFTC has been pretty good, you know, um, to a certain extent. Anybody who's not registered, um, who, you know, I call it, you know, these almost binary options type unregistered firms, that are that are dabbling into cryptos. Um, anybody who's doing anything that's not a licensed exchange, you know, or or you know, a commodity trading advisor, commodity pool advisor, or whatever that's under their their regulatory regime, I are getting um, there are enforcement actions. And by by and large, those are those are small firms that are kind of obscure, or they're international firms that maybe. Uh, the regulator is finding out that they're selling to a U.S. customer. Um, so I think they've, you know, I, I think they have their arms around the futures and the, the CFTC has its arms around its marketplace. Um, you still have all of these other unanswered questions in other areas, though. I would just add to that, Todd, that it seems like uh, law enforcement has in the U.S. has its... Uh, eye on some of these frauds and scams going going on and they've been able to crack down on uh back on some of the uh initial coin offering companies and whatnot so that you know put it is stamped out that whole part of the market which like, I don't know, two, three years ago was like a huge deal. Everybody was talking about ICOs. Nobody talks about that anymore. Um, uh, law enforcement in the U.S. was all over it. Yeah, and it, actually I, at an event I was at yesterday, one of the questions was what did they do about the, um, call it the manipulation or the touting? You know, whether you mm -hmm. have an Elon Musk saying he likes Shibu Inu or Dogecoin or whatever, or, you know, and these cryptic messages that get thrown out on Twitter by celebrities, you know, where do you draw the line and who's going to regulate that aspect? Because it does create volatility in the prices of some of these coins 
or digital assets or whatever you want to call them, um, that is going to be one of the biggest challenges going forward. You know, setting aside obviously money laundering and uh, all all of the regulatory issues of building a framework around this, um, and the inherent conflict that exists that it's a decentralized finance platform that was intended to avoid you know regulation <laughs> although although they exactly. want they, they want to kind of you know know where the guardrails are but they want exactly. to a, avoid the traditional system and create a new system so you know there there are inherent conflicts that are going to have to be ironed out but uh, you know the way i answered the question yesterday was um you know, freedom of speech is is hard to regulate sometimes. You know, you see it all day, every day on on the television networks. Oh, you know, some analyst says I like Apple or I like exactly you know, IBM or Microsoft stock, and the stock's going to go higher, and my price target is is X or whatever. I it's it's hard to regulate. You know, and tell somebody, well, you can't tweet and say that I think the the price is going higher. Um, you know, it, it's a fine line to to define you know, fraud or manipulative intent versus, you know, public opinion, sharing my opinion with the public. So that's, it's, it's going to be a a regulatory challenge going forward for everybody. Now, I think just on the market manipulation point uh, with Bitcoin, the last time I looked at it, which was a couple of years ago, was that, you know, people weren't talking about Elon Musk or whomever going on Twitter and saying buy this, what they were talking about was more like ghost volumes, um, uh, exchanges wanting to make it look like um, they were doing loads of business uh, when they really weren't. They were talking about fundamental um, structure of the um, distributed ledger technology that allowed you to uh, see what other people were doing and kind of do front running or do a bit of pump and dump, uh, that kind of thing. It was just something, that, you know, people always talk about buying gas, and which, I mean, this is a whole other topic of conversation, which is the made up language around crypto, which I've talk, mentioned before on the podcast, which drives me nuts. You know, I, my interpretation was, and you can I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, but buying gas was, you know, just allow you to kind of skip the line and, and, you know, do your trade first after you've seen, you know, what's, what's coming up anyway. um, I I, I think there's, as the market has evolved and matured and frankly become larger and larger, with more established players, you know, whether it's Coinbase or, or what have you, the, the, the biggest exchanges or marketplaces are squeezing out some of the more obscure things. And I think they're, they're becoming more legitimized, um, which ultimately, and th- this, uh, this discussion then obviously inevitably goes into the the illicit activities. I think the illicit activity aspects are getting squeezed into the darker and darker, you know, corners of the dark web. Um, and it's becoming harder and harder for that activity to happen. You know, when you have you know tens of millions of users that are on the biggest platforms now, 
um, you know, the transparency becomes better. And I think, frankly, you know, the oversight um, will be better and easier for regulators um, as the firms become more legitimized. Um, but it, it's just going to take time. Yeah. I just wanted to pick up on the, your uh, decentralized finance point, Todd. Uh, one of the things we were, wanted to talk about was the Binance uh, experience here in the UK. And um, I think that is a good example of how uh, having a uh, we're everywhere but nowhere kind of approach to um, becoming regulated is proving to be really difficult. <laughs> Binance now hasn't just run into issues with the UK regulator. I think it's run into issues with the Japanese regulator, um, the US regulator. And here in the UK, um, it has run into problems. It had bought a authorized uh, and regulated firm that w had been uh, authorized as a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform, but never got off the ground. So they bought that company and um, they went to the FCA for a change of permission to start a business here. They had plans to have Binance UK. Um, but ultimately, the UK FCA decided that the, the firm is not capable of being effectively supervised. And when that announcement came out in the summer, uh, the media really jumped on the FCA's back and saying, the FCA saying that it can't uh, supervise you know, crypto asset firms. And I didn't think that's what they were saying at all. What they were saying, if you read, you know, read the, did the reading was that it's Binance wasn't capable of being effectively supervised for really good reasons. Uh, it couldn't get through the MLR registration process and had withdrawn. So that, and in fact, when I looked into it, they, they didn't have a proper MLRO at that time. Uh, they had, they had a lot of turnover in these kind of, kind of compliance, um, positions and the FCA had imposed requirements on it that had uh, a year before it ultimately uh, said you, you can't do any business here that had or they'd already put some uh, guardrails around what they were supposed to be doing. So what the FCA's find uh, second notice on Binance said they haven't come out with a final notice yet, but Binance refused to provide trading names and functions for all its group entities and information about wider products offered on its site. So that hits on two really big issues. One is in terms of the money laundering regulations, they won't tell you who their ultimate beneficial ownership is um, you know, where, you know, show it a, a, a map of its, all of its entities, uh, that's just going to raise concerns right off the bat. Um, so again, that puts paid to the idea that the FCA is incapable. They are absolutely capable of, uh, supervising these firms. That's how they found out that <laughs> these people can't 
you know, get over some basic issues. Um, and Binance had told the regulator they didn't see why they had to tell them this. So, yeah. And the, the other Can thing... Can I interrupt you oh, there, Rachel? I mean, and I realize yeah. I am pointing out probably the precisely and obvious here. I mean, for yeah. goodness sake, there are some seriously smart people doing cryptos. I mean, brains the size of planets making these products fly. Honestly, you really need to understand your regulatory obligations that go alongside this. Those are not rocket science. Let's be clear about that. But if you don't have the capacity or capability to comply with those, your brilliant product is not going to go anywhere. So I, for I, me, it is kind of spot the obvious, guys. But I, 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 think, yeah. the, the, I think the challenge, though, is um, yeah, yes, the industry is is hiring you know, a council and compliance and, and staff. And, and I think there are some areas that are very obvious, um, you know, AML and, you know, some of the um, money processors, um, you know, transfers and payments um, laws. I think they, at least in the United States, they've, they've quickly accepted that they have to comply with those. And, and they are. But from a bigger picture perspective, they're saying, you know, this doesn't fit under the SEC's, um, you know, regulations. This is something that's different. Um, you know, to take this in, this discussion and show you how much more complex it's going to become um, and some of the even bigger challenges, if we go beyond, let's just say, Bitcoin or Ethereum trading, let's say now let's move to non-fungible tokens well is a non-fungible token on a piece of art or a gaming video clip or something related to online gaming these things are trading now on exchanges um you know the nft marketplace is booming you know i i, I heard from a friend their son invested his his earnings from his part-time job this summer into some NFTs and and made like twenty thousand dollars. You know, he turned <laughs> turned two thousand dollars into twenty because he bought some NFTs related to some online video game he played. Okay, that marketplace is not at all regulated. That's going to probably get sucked into this regulatory, you know, need or you know they're they're going to want to regulate that area as well. Um, NASDAQ recently announced that they're looking at online gambling, okay? Online gambling, gambling on, you know, sporting events in the United States has now popped up everywhere across the country. Connecticut, Virginia, all these states are legalizing it, okay? NASDAQ <clears throat> has said we can make a more efficient market in the spreads on games, so NASDAQ, you know, a registered exchange, you know, the big, one of the biggest stock markets in the world now wants to get into game, you know, gambling. Um, so wh where are the regulatory boundaries going to be drawn around all of these different activities, you know, from and not that NFTs, uh, you know, betting on an NFT to go up in value is is the same as betting on, you know, the football game or the basketball game. Um, but it is a, it is an online marketplace. It is an exchange where people are exchanging or wagering. Um, you know, the, this this argument or this need for regulatory clarity 
um, it has multiple tentacles in a lot of different areas. Um, and that's, and it is all new. It, it's, you know, it, it's, it's happening at warp speed and the regulators are saying, oh my gosh, what do we, <laughs> how do we keep up with this? And where do we draw these boundaries? And, and what do the boundaries look like? So, yeah, I, yeah I, I know the, that's a little bit tangential, but I, but I think no, no, it's, indic- it's, 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 it's sadly not tangential at all, because well, it all I, feeds I, into the, where's the, the perimeter and how do you define it? The, exactly. Oh. The, the sports gambling aspect is a little bit tangential, but it can get it's I think it's it's a good example. Well, you know, Las Vegas and New Jersey and different places, you know, state gaming boards in the United States have, you know, have effectively, you know, regulated you know the gaming commissions and casinos historically in the united states they're not about to secede control though over you know the the regulatory power and the taxing authority that they have in the united states and they certainly don't want you know the new york stock exchange or nasdaq now entering their marketplace you know if it it would provide a way for everybody to circumvent you know the biggest casinos in the states and you know, the Nevada Gaming Commission cannot be happy about that. <laughs> no. So, definitely but not. It, but but it, it it does. It's similar to the NFT world, where you know you've got places where people are exchanging art, and there's all sorts of different aspects. You know, videos, digital representations. Um, that that area are those are are those not securities and is that a, is that and should that be a regulated exchange um you know many on capitol hill believe it should be um you know because of the possibility that it become a, becomes a vehicle for money laundering or illicit activity investor protection the last thing you want is you know uh, some congressperson's you know kid to lose all their money in an nft or grandmother or or whomever to lose all their money trying to speculate on something like this and this is i i don't disagree with uh the term that is being thrown out it's the wild west to a, to a certain yeah. extent it's it's well, it shows an entirely you can monetize new frontier anything, right yeah so i mean you can you know an an nft does it, i mean it wouldn't have to be art i mean it just shows that you can monetize almost almost anything, and you know, just to you know, people go to the internet to try to raise money online and monetize ideas online all the time through Kickstarter or or whatever. Uh, there's a famous one where a guy um, uh, raised. I'm just going to say like fifty thousand dollars on Kickstarter to make himself a, a BLT. And, you know, people bought right into that. I mean, it's if there if if there's a a bid offer there, you know, these days, it doesn't really matter what the underlying asset is. I mean, these people didn't even get to eat the sandwich. I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know if they got the recipe or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, I think this uh, question about the regulatory perimeter, uh, you know, in, in the States, is, we discussed how it's very uh, much a question of whose regulatory perimeter are you in or do we need to expand it here? The reg- 
you know, we do have the gambling commission and whatnot, but uh, like I said before, there are few uh, financial regulators, uh, Bank of England, Financial Conduct Authority, the Potential uh, Regulation Authority. So it makes things uh, pretty easy in that respect. And uh, just in terms of expanding the regulatory perimeter here, it's happening again very slowly. And uh, I mentioned we're having the con we've had the consultation on uh, crypto assets and stable coins. We'll have to wait about what the treasury has to say about that and where they land on uh, regulating in the in the crypto world. We shall see. I have a feeling that it's not going to be super harsh because they want people to set up crypto businesses here. Uh, the other piece that's coming through is uh, around marketing. And the, um, the Treasury is looking at bringing certain crypto assets into the financial promotions regime. Uh, but more broadly, the FCA is worried that just working within the boundaries of the money laundering regulations, that they don't have enough powers to supervise and enforce against uh, registered firms in the same way that they would for authorized firms uh, working uh, under the Financial Services and Markets Act. And they would like the treasury to strengthen their powers in this respect. And that is another thing that potentially could be coming through via yet another consultation at treasury, which is a review of the money laundering regulations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so once again, you definitely have the kind of bingo card here of all your and, consultations and, and movements. And I think, I think what's happening here is clearly the, the boundaries or the perimeter is is being stretched in a lot of in a lot of different directions, and mm -hmm. it, it has been made clear. Gensler has gone to Capitol Hill and said he may need additional authorization, and obviously at the same in, in the same breath he's asking for more money and more resources <laughs> to to do it. So so it yeah. is so it is very very similar here, but it it, it is that in and of of itself is the challenge. And historically, these regulators have moved very, very slowly. Like you said, in the in the UK, it's it's methodical. They take their time. They do their studies. They do everything they need to do. Um, in the US, I think there is a sense of urgency that I've never seen before. That we need to do something, and we need to yeah, we I'm need not... to act and act quickly. How quickly that is remains to be seen. Um, but, uh, you know, things, things are going to have to, uh, you know, pick up at warp speed in order to catch up with the industry. Um, you know, what, what does that mean? It's quicker than normal, but it's still slow. So. Yeah, and, and, uh, and I on think that that's note, right. um, we're, I think we're, we're slightly running out of time here, chaps. I mean, we asked, we could carry on talking about this literally day and night, um, but we're going to round up as usual with a few takeaways for compliance officers. And the one for me is really just you are going to have to stay on top of this, not just if you are a crypto firm, but if you are a more mainstream financial services firm. How are you going to deal with crypto firms when you are not sure which side of the line, regulatory perimeter lines, they may or may not be drawn? 
have you done your due diligence on them and all of that sort of thing. So I realise there's about a million and one things for compliance officers to think about and take account of, but you are going to have to stay on top of all things crypto. On that, Rachel, a quick takeaway for a compliance officer. Okay, quick takeaway. I agree with everything you said. Um, I've heard or read that some firms have started blacklists on crypto firms, so they won't be accepting payments via some of these. That's probably a wise thing to do. Uh, But like I've said many times uh, in this uh, session, that the big issue for the Financial Conduct Authority is consumer protection, scams, and fraud. And uh, early in this, in June, Mark Stewart, who's the head of enforcement at the Financial Conduct Authority here, said that at the Treasury Select Committee that firms should be checking the FCA list that it keeps uh, on its website of fraudsters and scam firms. That would include crypto. And he said that you sh- should be firms should be putting uh, suspicious activity reports against any payments from firms on that list on their website. So my uh, takeaway to compliance officers is really obvious. Go look at that list and see if you need to be putting in any SARS. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's extremely practical. Todd, a takeaway from the, your side of the pond? Um, I I would say, uh, you know, I agree with what Rachel just said. Um, I think firms are slowly engaging and they're testing the areas. I think uh, the established firms are reaching out to the regulators. You know, the FDIC would not have said this week what they said unless, you know, they've been approached by you know, traditional financial institutions saying, hey, our customers want to hold crypto, hold digital assets. Can we do it? Um, I, I think for most firms, the, the, compliant, the existing compliance regimes to a certain extent, you know, allow them to oversee and, and spot a fraud when they see one, you know, <laughs> and call it out. Um, you know, they can see illicit activity and I think they, they are, are quick to you know, um, you know, act upon it. it. It's this greater question of, of where are the guardrails and exactly what is the framework going to be that firms are dealing with or struggling with. And, um, you know, it remains to be seen. But I, I think by and large, most of the institutions want to do what's right and they, they're going to stamp out something that does, doesn't pass the sniff test um, or tests or expands the boundaries, um, you know, beyond what they're comfortable with. So it's a little bit of a wait and see approach waiting on the regulators. Um, But people are are trading, you know, these things and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I I don't see a traditional Bitcoin ETF happening anytime soon. You're going to have this derivatives based product because the derivatives market is functioning and is, you know, um, you know, an established area that the regulators are comfortable with. That said, I would give the caveat that I don't think these derivatives-based products are are great products. Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, well, I, I think the jury is still out kind the, of completely on this It's a very uh, complicated argument and discussion, 
but these these futures-based products can run into contango and correlation and price tracking errors, the fees, expenses, and everything else. Um, I, I think it's almost a little bit disingenuous for the U.S. regulator to say, here, this is the only product you can buy, um, and it's not a great product, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I think that's been an excellent discussion. And, and thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Clarified. As ever, we hope you found it both interesting and useful. Now, I'm sure many of you won't be surprised to know we're continuing to publish extensively on cryptos. It really is the gift that keeps on giving. I'll include the usual selection of links uh, to articles in the show notes, and they go into a bit more detail of the things we've been talking about. I'll also include a link for further information on Thomson Reuters regulatory intelligence itself. And last but not least, and as ever also, we'd very much appreciate it if you'd take the time to review the podcast and let us know any suggestions for future topics. Thanks for listening. Compliance Clarified, a podcast by Thomson Reuters regulatory intelligence.